Welcome to the Pastor's Cut Podcast. I'm here in the studio right now with Marissa Carter. Hello, hello. And with Brad Henderson. Greetings. <laughs> Darren is off at the monastery today. He is monking it up so that he can is get that better a prepared. Really? I think I just made it a verb. Monkeying around. Mon- yeah. Monking around. <laughs> hey, hey, we're the monks. Yeah. Could, you do, could you do that? Could you make a, a band you, like that? I mean, you could. Uh, yeah. Okay. So we've digressed a little bit already. Um, welcome to the Pastor's Care Podcast. I'm glad that you're listening to us today. Uh, this morning, as we're recording, it's morning while we're recording right now, um, we are exploring passages of Scripture, looking at the end times. We are in a, uh, the middle of our teaching series, exploring the, um, the Creed and the Apostles' Creed. And so for today, where we're coming up on the passage that's talking about the end times. And so as we're doing that, we're looking at 1 Thessalonians 4. And so I thought it's fitting, a good way to begin. And I would even suggest in your community group, maybe it's a good way of introducing this as an icebreaker. What's your favorite end of the world movie? And so with that, let's use that as our bantering to start <laughs> off with. What's your favorite end of the world movie? Children of Men, I think. I, I since we're just like, I really need to think about this and like actually like think back and at all of them. But Children of Men mm-hmm. sticks out the most. Have you seen that? I With have not, no. Clive Owen and it's it's centered around a, a virus that causes infertility. So there's no new children being born and oh, wow. and he there's one woman that's pregnant that he finds and kind of ushers um, through the chaos of this uh, this dystopian world. So it's it's really good. I prefer. Um, into the world fiction, um, so like Octavia Butler, I've been really getting into Octavia Butler, who, you know, is a is a kind of Afro punk dystopian sci-fi writer, and she wrote uh, Parable of the Sower and Parable of the Talents, and so if you're really into dystopian literature, look up Octavia Butler. She's really great. Okay, <laughs> outstanding. If I knew what kind of literature that was, I would look it up. I'll loan you a copy. <laughs> Brad, what about what you? is that word? Dys- dystopian? dystopian, just I, like I the, 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 there's hopeful future, which we will talk about presently, and then there's uh, despair for the future, and dystopian uh, okay. is the the kind of future you should despair about. Okay, well that makes sense. All it's right. almost like the opposite of utopia. Yeah, utopia there you go. Is hopeful. Okay. Oh, okay. Dystopia would be the opposite. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, if you can't do a podcast where you can learn something, then why even do one? So that's, <laughs> that's, that's great. Right. Uh, I don't really have one. Like Old Yeller was kind of that way for me. So. <laughs> uh, Ooh, we could twist that. Yeah, yeah. The relationship the, it's between. It's kind of the end of the world. <laughs> Dog died. Um, no, I, I, you know, I'm a kind of a fantasy sci-fi guy. I like things like Independence Day, and um, I, I, I named the one that Dave is going to name, so I can't name that. Oh, one you can name it. Go ahead and take it because there's like all kinds of other but ones. Can, I mean, some of it's kind of. Take the day after tomorrow. Just take the it. day after tomorrow. I, I like uh, is it Dennis Quaid that's in that? I believe. Yes. Yeah, I I enjoy his acting. I think he's he's really good, and it's just got enough truth in it that you go, you know, maybe 
this could happen. Yeah. Mm -hmm. so, you know, I doubt that the wolves would instantly appear in New York City like the way they did, but <laughs> other than that, yeah. Yeah, other than that. Dr. Newton is the same way, yeah. And, and everybody flocking to Mexico to, to <laughs> yes. go to the mass exodus instead of the mass entrance. Why wouldn't they just go to Arizona? Exactly. Because it's going to be just as cool, or just as warm there. <laughs> so um, for me, since you took mine. <laughs> you took me to <laughs> I know, I know. Shame. Uh, I'll go ahead and go with Volcano, because it also uh, is a fun end of the world movie. Yes. So I like Joe versus Volcano. That's Joe, oh, that is, <laughs> that's a hilarious classic. Yeah. You should do totally. <laughs> um, so this morning we are looking at the message for Sunday, November 5th. Mm -hmm. And as we're looking at that, Darren is going to be exploring 1 Thessalonians 4. And so, Marissa, would you mind opening up and, and reading for us from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4? Sure. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18 is our passage. Brothers and sisters, we do not want you to be uninformed about those who sleep in death, so that you do not grieve like the rest of mankind who have no hope. For we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and so we believe that God will bring with Jesus those who have fallen asleep in him. According to the Lord's word, we tell you that we who are still alive, who are left until the coming of the Lord, will certainly not precede those who have fallen asleep. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. After that, we who are still alive and are left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Therefore, encourage one another with these words. So as we look at that passage, uh, what are some things that stand out to you, Marissa? Yeah, so I, when we're going to have to like make sure we don't dip into things that will be covered the week after that <laughs> when we talk about eternal life and eternity. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and so we're just talking about the line in the Apostles' Creed this week that talks about the resurrection of the body. I believe mm -hmm. in the resurrection of the body. And I just think about, you know, life's one certainty for every person is death. And there's so much fear surrounding death. So many of our fears are related to death. Even if you don't have a belief in the judgment, which can be very scary if you don't have, uh, you know, hope in Christ, um, death is just the unknown. It's darkness. It's separation. Mm -hmm. And the Bible affirms that death is not unnatural to God, or I'm sorry, that it is unnatural to God's original design. Yet there's something just wrong feeling about mm -hmm. that. Um, but it's inescapable. It's part of the curse. It's, it's something that we can't avoid. So it's this universal um, fear that we all have. Um, but the Bible is full of examples of people who conquered that fear through placing their hope and their focus on God and, and uh, God as the victor over death, as a conqueror over death, as, as, um, as love and light that transcends death and is so big that death can't conquer it. And I think about Dave's psalm, uh, David, rather, I was looking at you, Dave. Dave wrote many of the psalms. I don't know if you guys know that. But well, David's Psalm 27, right? King, King David. That the Lord is my light, my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall be I be afraid? And, and that is the hope that we have um, in Christ. And that wasn't just um, something that comforted David in times of, um, of peace, but it was something that comforted him after he lost his child. 
mm-hmm. um, that that is something that we can hold on to. And when his infant son died, um, he was able to place his hope in God that they would be reunited. So when we're talking about First Thessalonians specifically, we're talking about a time when people were grieving, when people were um, afraid for their loved ones who had passed on and wanted to know, because they were Gentiles, mm-hmm. what do... Um, the scriptures say about death. What does God promise about death and about our loved ones? So here in First Thessalonians, Paul is telling them, this is what you can place your assurance in. This is what um, the, the faithful of God have been able to um, count as a promise since our relationship with him began. Yes. I, if I were to say one thing that stands out the most about this passage, it's the word hope. Mm. It's repeated several times. It, the if I can teach you all a Greek word, I, I'm a big fan of Greek. Elpis is the Greek word for hope. And it typically is associated with looking at the future and looking at, at God's rule and God's reign. Hope is something that we as believers can hold on to because we know the stuff of heaven. God eventually will make a reality in our day. We'll get to experience that. We get to experience that right now through the Holy Spirit living inside of us. But one day... We will get to experience that by living in God's presence right. for all of eternity. That's something that we can have hope, that we can bank on. It's also something that while we look ahead, 100% of humans die, but death isn't the end. We weren't created to die. God designed us with intentionality to live for eternity. You look at Genesis 1, you look at it, um, when God created everything. God created everything for eternity. Um, it wasn't until Genesis 3 where the repercussions of sin, that death was a part of that picture. So as you look at, at what's happening in, in the world around us, even people who are atheists or agnostic or, or come from a different worldview and a different perspective, they want to live beyond themselves. They don't know necessarily what that is or what that looks like. But there's a reminder here in Scripture that, that death is not the end, that we don't have to worry about that because we have hope that there's something more coming down. And so I would say hope is a big part of the picture, and I would certainly talk about that. And hope gives us so much um, here and now, the present, that it gives us meaning and peace and joy and purpose. Um, But our ultimate promise, that ultimate hope, is that we'll have this resurrected life with God, that we'll have this conquering over death. Uh, 1 Corinthians 15, 19. 1 Corinthians has a lot about this, about the resurrection. Mm -hmm. So Darren's going to be focusing on Thessalonians, but you could dip into 1 Corinthians 15 and have so, so much to study. Um, but he says, if in Christ we have hope in this life only, we're, we are all of all people most to be pitied, which just means that Paul is saying that the belief in the resurrection of the body is so significant that our lives shouldn't make sense without it, that that should be, um, that we should live with that hope of the resurrection always in view, that it should inform everything that we do in this present life. That, that is, that's our main motivation is for eternity instead of for this moment. So we have the hope in the moment, but also this extended hope that should guide our lives. Mm-hmm. One thing I, I always like to ask when I look at, at a passage is why was it written? Why was it included there? What's the greater context that, or the greater argument that Paul's trying to make within, within the letter? Uh, Marissa, as you've done some research, what what have you found? What what is the main point Paul is trying to make here with with this idea that death is not the end? I think that just what we've already covered a little bit is just that that 
our life should be incomprehensible without the resurrection. Mm-hmm. Um, that that should shape our lives. That should give us hope. That should remove the bondage of fear from us. Um, that there's so many things in our theology and that we've gone over in the creed mm-hmm. that we can say again and again, I believe this, I believe this, I believe this. But how is it changing your life? Yes. How is it motivating the way that you relate to other people? How is it motivating how you share the gospel with other people? Because mm-hmm. we should want to free other people from the bondage of sin and death as well. Yes. Yes. And spread that hope. We shouldn't hoard that hope for ourselves. So to be people who truly live um, as if this is truth. Mm-hmm. Um, not just mm-hmm. that we have the right answers to give at church, but how are you living your daily life? How, how is God freeing you from fear um, with the, this knowledge, with this hope? How is it motivating yes. how you relate to other people and how you relate to God? Yes, and uh, if, you, you, if you look at the letter, at the, the beginning of chapter 4, Paul takes a turn from, from talking more about theological issues mm-hmm. to talking about practical issues, and, and he suggests that, that um, we instructed you how to live in order to please God. So he's, he's taking a turn to talk about pleasing God. What does it look like to actually live out your faith? And work out your faith. And part of living out your faith and working out your faith not only is is applying it in, in terms of, of your practical living, but also in terms of looking to the future. That we don't have to grieve. We don't have to simply look at this life as this is it. That there is hope. There's more to life than just what happens in the here and the now. And I think part of what was going on in the first century world is there were there were some false teachings that were coming into the church that were trying to discourage believers saying, well, if they were to die, they're gone. They're just mm-hmm. done. They're, it's over with. They don't get to experience Jesus returning. And part of what Paul was teaching was the second coming. And as part of him presenting the gospel, he mentioned that Jesus came. Jesus will return one day. And a part of returning one day, he'll fully establish God's kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. So in the middle of this, this heavy theological discourse, he's just trying to say, guys, you haven't missed anything. It's okay. We still have hope. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that this kind of teaching is either something that Christians completely ignore mm-hmm. or that we become obsessed with. Yes. Um, and um, both are an error. Um, but there are things that, that, that we need to understand as Christians as foundational. And mm-hmm. that's one of the reasons why we're doing this is just like, what actually do we believe? What does the, the, what does the scripture teach about these things? Mm-hmm. So this is what we believe about the resurrection of the body. That all people will be resurrected from the dead, mm-hmm. some to life and some to condemnation. These are the words of Jesus in John 5, right? Yes. That very truly I tell you, a time is coming and has now come when the dead will hear the voice of the Son of God and those who hear will live. And those who hear his voice and come out, those who have done good will go home to life. And those who have done evil will rise to be condemned. So that is that is foundational. That is in the gospel words of Jesus, right? Yes. Um, the second is that the resurrection of life will be a physical resurrection, mm-hmm. um, that it will be a continuity of life, um, but also radically different. Um, I like how Paul describes in Corinthians 15, and, and so many of his illustrations are agrarian about sowing and gardening, and, mm-hmm. and he says, you know, we don't uh, plant a plant into the ground, we plant a seed. So um, we plant, uh, uh, so will it be with the resurrection of the dead, he says. The body that is sown is perishable, it's raised imperishable. It's sown in dishonor, it's raised in glory. It's sown in weakness, it's raised in power. It's sown as a natural body, it's raised a spiritual body. So um, our earthly bodies are the seed of what we will become. Um, Third is that the resurrection does not mean we won't die, but that death is swallowed up in victory. 
Again, 1 Corinthians 15 talks about that, how, how God is victorious over death. Oh, death, where is your sting? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the resurrection of human beings will happen when Christ returns in glory to judge the living and the dead. Um, Daniel 12 talks a lot about that, about the resurrection of the dead. So this isn't just a New Testament, newer Testament uh, truth, but this is foundational. It's, it's in the older scriptures as well. Yes. And fifth, that those who are in Christ will be raised to reign with Christ in the new creation. And that's found in Revelation 22, 3 through 5, and all throughout the Gospels that will mm-hmm. reign with Christ. That this will be, uh, you know, this is the new creation. You were talking about the curse. The curse is gone. Um, so you've, you consider all the things that the curse meant, disunity between the genders, pain and suffering, toil that uh, has no end and uh, no peace, and death itself, mm-hmm. um, that all of that will be lifted away, that we'll have unity and, uh, and fruitful service to God and this peace and victory over death. So all of these things are very scriptural. Yes. Um, we're not talking about, uh, you know, uh, uh, before we started recording, we were talking about Left Behind series and all that <laughs> tribulation things. You know, there, there's so many um, kind of myths and fairy tales that have risen up around the resurrection mm-hmm. and around the end times um, so that it muddies the water and it makes things unclear to us. But, yes. but you know, if we're talking about Revelation, Revelation is unveiling. It's things being made clear. Mm-hmm. So go back to the scripture and say, you know, what what am I to believe according to the scriptures about this. And though things like Children of Man and Volcano and and the uh, <laughs> all the fun end of the world movies that we have, right. um, you know, that they're fun to think about. Mm-hmm. It's not a sin to think of it, <laughs> to watch Left Behind or read it or but mm-hmm. it, but is it scriptural? Is it is it doctrinal? Is it what I believe? And should it cause fear, which a lot of things about the end of the world causes a lot of fear? Mm-hmm. Or should it give us peace and hope? And if it gives you peace and hope, that's what's of God. Yes. And I think, going back to that, that one word, I think if you were to land the plane as a community group director, I would find a way to get there. What, what can you communicate or what can you hold on to about the end that gives you hope? Mm-hmm. Because that really is what Paul is trying to communicate, what Paul is trying to instill, that it is not something to be feared of, it's not something that we need to worry about, it's something that does give us hope and brings us joy and brings mm-hmm. us peace. Yeah, yeah. And it's all about the garden. Yes. All about the new creation. And yes. what was God's intended purpose for us at creation? Yes. Um, to give us dominion over creation and to give us uh, complete fellowship with him. Mm-hmm. So as his children, as his adopted children, when the Bible talks about how we will reign with Christ forever, and we'll probably talk about that next week more when we talk mm-hmm. about eternity, but what does that mean in light of, of his intention for us in Genesis to have this shepherding role, to have this, this, um, this very creative uh, role as um, rulers over his creation, just as Adam originally was intended to have? Mm-hmm. But more beautiful is that we'll be unified with God, that we'll see his face, as Revelation 22 puts it. You know, they saw the face of God. This was yes. something that Moses was denied in life. And now Moses and all of us will enjoy this, this not just the honor and the privilege of seeing the face of God, but that deeper meaning that we will have this intimacy of understanding his heart mm-hmm. and understanding his will. Um, I'll just, uh, Spurgeon says it really, really well. 
Um, by which I understand two things. First, that they shall literally and physically with their risen bodies actually look into the face of Jesus, which is amazing uh, mm -hmm. to think of that. Mm -hmm. But that spiritually their mental faculties shall be enlarged so that they shall be enabled to look into the very heart and soul and character of Christ so as to understand him, his work, his love, his all in all, as they never understood him before. So we have these kind of worldly ideas of mm -hmm. what heaven's going to be like. Um, I, no, I, I like to tease about uh, jewels and crowns and mansions in heaven and everything like that. But, but what our focus should be, our hope, our desire for eternity should be this unification with, with Jesus and, and mm -hmm. uh, seeing his face and understanding his heart as no one ever has on earth before. Yes, absolutely. I really think that that sums up the passage very well. So with that, I think I'm going to go ahead and end our podcast for today. Do it. I don't, I don't want to just abruptly <laughs> end, but I, I think that really summarizes yeah. it well. Well done, Marissa. Hey, thanks. Absolutely. <laughs> so with that, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May God cause his face to shine upon you. And may you have a wonderful day. Amen. Thank you.